we take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4. As we have looked now, Good Friday and this morning, at the joys of we have been crucified with Christ, I have been raised with Christ, and now that call in great comfort of, I have been comforted with Christ. Certainly that comfort is found in Him, but also we are comforted today with Him and those great promises that He has given, not only that operate in the now, but that will operate in that last day too. And so we hear Paul's words of comfort and encouragement to the Thessalonians. Chapter 4, we begin our reading in verse 13 and we'll read through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord." Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thus far, God's holy and inspired word. Our Lord and Heavenly Fathers, you bring us before words of comfort, words of life, even those that we read typically during our grieving, our sorrow, our loss. Father, we are thankful for sure promises of Christ. We are thankful, Father, that you do not leave us uninformed or without hope. Because you have given Jesus Christ, who has conquered sin and death and hell for us. And so, Father, as we give our hearts more fully and richly to the wonder of that promise and the hope that you give, we pray, Lord, would you work salvation in the hearts of those who need to be drawn near to you through the blood of Christ. And that, Father, in us, by the working of your Holy Spirit, you would resolve us to a greater, a deeper, a richer comfort and more, a greater joy-filled thanks in what is ours and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Congregation beloved of our risen and returning Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We know these to be the words of Martha in John 11. You know the story, Jesus coming to Bethany and and having waited four days until he comes, knowing that Lazarus was asleep and the disciples are, what are you talking about? Lazarus has died. And so he goes there in order to comfort those that he loves. And as he drew near, Martha drew near and went to meet him, and Jesus' first words are those of comfort. Jesus said to her, what? Your brother will rise again comfort immediately from his mouth. He spoke truth in that moment that was fully dependent on him. He's the only one that could make that promise. He alone can speak comfort as the God of all comfort and the God of all mercies. 
that his words were intended to Martha, even in that moment, to be that reminder that even in grief, there is hope in the promise of heaven. And we know in this day, perhaps above all days, that Christ came to be that help. That he came to be the only comfort that could ever be needed. And Martha speaks out of that hope. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. This was not a new concept after Jesus There was already promise. There was already mindfulness. Even without knowing the resurrection that was soon to take place, not only of Lazarus, but more of Jesus himself, she speaks trust. She speaks conviction. Bound up in a Savior who declares who he is and what he has come to accomplish. Who is he? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Here already is the precursor to the work of the cross. More of that to the empty tomb. For he has conquered sin and death and hell in that death and resurrection but we still die, and our loved ones still die. It's a struggle then when we hear these words. We love them, but it's that already not yet of our existence that makes this that that angst for us. If you've conquered all of these things, why couldn't you just destroy it all already? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so there's something that we're waiting for. Something that we're waiting for in hope. Something that we wait for in the assurance of heaven. And not only do we wait, but those who have died in the Lord wait for the same. And we're also then given the help of knowing how things are going to end, even though that still doesn't end for us, the wrestle with the question. It's even a part of our confession, the Hubbard Catechism, is it not? Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Christ, if you are conqueror, why is there something that hasn't been destroyed yet? Well, death is not a payment for our sins but only a dying to sins and an entering into eternal life. In that way, we come to know what Paul says when he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. To hear the words of the psalmist, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But all of this has to do with being comforted in Jesus Christ alone. Not only that I have died in him and I have been raised in him, but all my comfort is him. That's what's ours as believers on this resurrection day. That's why Jesus asked Martha an important question. One that we want to use in this introduction this evening. Do you believe this? 
Again, not just the facts of a historical day, not just a doctrine of what was accomplished. Do you believe this? And her answer is remarkable in the working of the Spirit. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God who is coming into the world. That you will accomplish what you have promised, but you are coming that already not yet expressed beautifully. You're coming. Brothers and sisters, do you believe this? Do you truly believe this? Do you believe what Jesus has promised? Do you believe the words that Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 15? Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable And the mortal put on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do you believe this? Do you believe it so much that it is on your tongue always, that it is ready to be shared always, that hope and assurance, one that you hold to so much that you can't help but comfort others in calling them to the gospel of God's beloved Son? Do you believe this? For in this day where we rejoice in life in Jesus Christ, we take a few moments to speak about death. Because today has something to say about that. Because we have been comforted. One that is held on to by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. I have been comforted with Christ. This too must be our bold confession. And we have been comforted so in the promise of hope, in the promise of heaven, and in the promise of help. For it begins with hope. And that is what the Thessalonians were seeking to hold on to. Verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Again, it becomes a statement of the Christian in that already and not yet. The angst of trying to figure out what is going on. We're not to be uninformed about it. We're not to be ignorant. We're not just to throw up our hands and say, we don't know. No, there's something to knowing Christ in life now, but also of knowing Him in the life to come. There's something important about knowing it in this time between death and that final resurrection. We cannot be ignorant about these things. We must not be concerning what takes place after death. And why is that? Because the world wants to give a terrible bill of sale for all that they think heaven might be any number of comic strips, any number of platitudes, any number of other bits of trash as to who will get in and who won't and what will be there and what will do. 
Because we're prone to fear and anxiety and moments of grief are not always conducive to thinking clearly. We need to know this comfort. We need to be comforted. And so as the Thessalonians were struggling to properly understand what Paul had taught them, what was supposed to provide them with much hope was leading them to angst and grief. And so Paul's concern for them is that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You see, our grief is different because of Easter, because of resurrection, because of promise. Christians have reason for hope. But those who are not in Christ have no hope. That should be the thing that strikes us about churches that are so full for one or two services a year and then no more. No hope. What have you placed your hope in? Because it will certainly come out at the end, will it not? About what you've communicated with those that you have left? Consider the grieving of those in the world. And I would imagine that many of you, perhaps all of you, have attended the funeral of an unbeliever. That as a minister, I've officiated a couple of them. And they are the things that I will never forget, perhaps more than anything else I've done in ministry. Because of the feeling afterwards. Because of the grief afterwards, not not during. Because you look at what they hold to. All of these things that they shine up. He was a good guy. She was a sweet lady. Look at the way they worked. Look at what they did. Hear the platitudes they offer. Hey, isn't it great that he's cracking one back, fishing with Moses? What a joke. What a sorrow. They hold to nothing. No hope without God in the world to simply hear, we commit him into your hands, Lord, knowing that you will do what is right, that you will be just. It is cold, it is harsh, it is disgusting. It is that which should cause you to weep like never before. No hope and without God in the world. When you consider the death of an unbeliever, remember that. There is no hope for them, but only an assurance of never-ending judgment. It should quickly remove that knot from our tongues when we come into contact with those that we know walk far from Christ. But it also should walk us back to our hope. What is my hope? What is my confidence? What is my assurance? I have hope. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the thing. This is the thing it is all built on. This is the thing that we share. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Even so, through Jesus, the one that we are in, Having died in Christ, I am raised in Christ through Jesus. God will bring with him, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is that only hope. 
He is the only way of salvation. He is the only way of eternal life. He is the resurrection and the life. And Paul gives the saints much needed courage and reassurance in the fact that death would not keep them from sharing in that which was promised. Death would not keep the saints from the full enjoyment of all that Christ had promised because they were in him to live as Christ, to die as gain. And so it follows that the God who raised Jesus will bring with him the people for whom he died and rose again. That's our hope. A firm hope. A true one. Paul says it most powerfully in 1 Corinthians 15, 16-22. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of all those who have fallen asleep. That in Christ the dead will rise first. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Thessalonians, Christians in this space and place today, it is a matter of believing. It is a matter of belief and faith and trust in that hope, in that Christ. We must believe. We must believe that Jesus has died and has risen and that our Father will keep every one of his promises in his one beloved Son. And that's our hope. That's our blessed hope. Receive into your arms, faithful Father, a lamb of your pasture, a sheep of your flock, the redeemed that you have given your blood for, Receive him in your everlasting arms of mercy. We have hope. That blessed hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Be thankful for hope. That that is your blessing on this Resurrection Sunday. I have hope hope. Be thankful for it. Call people to that same hope. Be encouraged in that hope. For it's not a vain one, but it will resolve forever and ever in the promises of heaven. Because that's where Paul can't then help but rush for these saints who have been struggling through this angst of what is to come. Verse 15, for we declare this to you. This we declare to you By a word from the Lord. This is authority. This is what he has to say about the matter. Not all the junk that you want to settle for in some terrible, trashy Christian bookstore. I want to give you the truth. Here is your hope. That we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
You see, it's encouragement. Because the Thessalonians, they knew the promise of heaven. Paul isn't saying, you've left your hope, or you've given yourself to false doctrine. They weren't doubting sure promises in Christ, but they were struggling. How does this order work itself out? And what is that going to be? And they were people longing for it, anticipating it, struggling with that angst because they knew it's coming soon. They struggled to understand how those who had died would receive what was to come in the same way as they who would be, they believed, alive in that day. And so Paul comforts them plainly with what is to come. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Jesus is coming. That's our trust. He's coming for us. He will descend from heaven. Here Paul's overflow, his heart, his desire is showing through and knowing that Jesus will come again for all of his people to gather those lambs into his arms to bring us further out and further into the place that he has prepared for us. He will descend. That should speak to us again, pointing ahead to the ascension. He will descend in the same way you have seen him go up into heaven. He's coming. And he will descend with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. With a cry of command. Why? Because he is Lord and because he reigns, and because he is king, and because he will not lose any of those who are his. With the voice of the archangel, the sound of the power and the authority of the one who rules over all the heavenly hosts of heaven, who has brought about this reality for you. With the sound of the trumpet of God, to gather all of those from the four corners of the earth, to bow in the presence of Almighty God. Jesus said in John 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The voice will announce his arrival. The trumpet will be the call of victory, of action, and of assembly. And then as Jesus said in Matthew 24, they will appear in heaven. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all of the tribes of earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great joy. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. He will have his own, all of them, dead or alive, in the best use of that phrase. No, Thessalonians, the enjoyment of these things will not be different for the dead who are now in the presence of the Lord because he's going to gather us there. That's the wonder here, right? 
Then we, verse 17, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Caught up together with them. That in that moment we will see the church as she is for the very first time. The glory of all the saints assembled, not because of them, but because of him. What a humbling and solemn meeting that will be to meet the Lord in the air, to see him as he is. And yet what joy will be ours because what Paul is really getting at in these words is the promise of the royal and regal return of Christ. He returns as our king to gather his children, the heirs of that kingdom to himself. And we will be gathered to Jesus with all of his people, all the dead, all those alive, gathered to be received by God through Christ. And what a gathering that will be when we all see Jesus and sing and shout the victory. For as John writes in Revelation 7, after this, I looked and behold, see, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's our trust now, right? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's with us. He dwells in us. And yet then, we will have something richer, something fuller. No glory muted. No goodness held back. We'll have all of it the fulfilled reality of the promise of heaven. Hear it in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That is your comfort. That is what is our possession now. That promise now. That is what we will have. Be comforted. Those of you in Christ Jesus with the promise of heaven which grants us comfort in this loss of saints now but one that reminds us of where we're heading. 
of where we're going, of why we strain on and press on and go with endurance and fight the good fight because it's real, because he's preparing that place for us. And when we lose sight and hold of those promises, we're thankful that he doesn't leave us, that he gives us his word and spirit, but he also gives us each other for help along that road to heaven. It's his promise of help. Because it's these great promises that allow us to leave this place and go out into all of our days with promises filled with hope that point us to heaven. And they grant us the opportunity to go out into this world and do all that God calls us in faithfulness and in boldness. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. It gives us perspective. It gives us direction. But we don't always hold on to that, do we? And we're not always so courageous. And we're not always bound up in that same truth. That in the midst of grief, it's hard to hold on to sure promises. We don't always grieve with hope. We don't always hold firm to the truth of heaven. And so what that says to us is that we need help. And that help is found in Christ. It's found in the working of his word and Holy Spirit. But that help is also found here. The person on your left, the person on your right, the family in front of you, the one behind you, the body of Christ that gathers when we come to a visitation, when we come to a funeral, when we walk that road afterwards, we need help as we care for each other through grief and sorrow, as we speak into the same with your promises, with gospel hope and with sweet comfort. And I think that's the beauty of the fact that even in Paul highlighting in the resurrection, here, here's your hope and here's where you're going. But what is the thing that he calls us to do? Therefore, verse 18, encourage one another with these words. That it isn't first and foremost you. It should be yours. You're in Christ. But you have a divine calling to the truth that you have been given on this resurrection Sunday. Certainly that if question that we spoke of this morning, but also of your hope encourage. The word here in the Greek is help. It's comfort. It's console. That which the Lord has promised us in our afflictions to help us, he says, I want you to help each other. I want you to care for each other. 2 Corinthians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we, we all share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, 
so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. That as we have been helped, and we've been helped, as we have been comforted with the greatest of all comforts, we seek to help and comfort others in their times of great sorrow. It's a great call that we don't always take up. Maybe it's our Dutchness. Maybe it's our Stoicism. Maybe it's our overfaith that other people will continue to cling to things in the way that we do. But we don't say anything. Or we come and we act awkward. Or we don't want to speak the names. Or we don't want to say promises because it might make me sound like I'm, I'm really holy or I'm trying to be spiritual and I don't always have that witness. Or I might say the wrong thing or I might do the wrong thing or I might stay too long or I might not stay enough or isn't that casserole I dropped off enough? As we have been helped and comforted in Christ, our responsibility in response is to help and comfort others in times of great sorrow. And we can do that only as those firmly fixed in the wonder of the hope granted in Christ's glorious resurrection. You see, you're not going to them, oh yeah, when my so-and-so passed away or this lost. Go to them with Christ. This is the Christ who has died and the Christ who has risen and the Christ who is coming again. That's what you give. Sister, brother, I am sorry for the brokenness you endured. But we hold to sure promises in Christ. And I grieve with you that we would be comforted together. That's what we do. That's what church is about. Firm assurance, confident hope, helping others exchange fear and anxiety, sadness and sorrow for confident hope on the basis of what Christ has done and promised in union with him. 1 Thessalonians 5, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. That's our hope. That's our hope of heaven. That is our help every day. Provided that we are members with Christ. Because that brings it back to this morning. If you have been raised with Christ. Provided we are members in Christ. Provided we are in union with Him. If we are in His life, death, and resurrection. Such membership is for those who believe. So you are called to believe. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved in Jesus. That you can be comforted with our comfort in this place. It's the comfort the Savior gives in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. 
and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, (laughs) we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As Green writes, quote, the truth of the Lord opens the door to true comfort. That's how we open the catechism. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who's fully paid for all my sins, who watches over me, who assures me of eternal life, who makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life. Call out to him. That even in this resurrection day, that you would cling to and be thankful for that. I have hope. I have the promise of heaven. And when I'm tempted to look away from it or to doubt that, I have the help of my Savior, the help of His Spirit, the help of His Word, the help of His people to bear those griefs and carry those sorrows with me because Christ has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In the grief that is yours in a day away from loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord, keep holding this comfort. And in the days that the Lord tarries his judgment, go share your comfort with the lost. Call them to repentance and faith as you long for the day when you will see Jesus face to face. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He will destroy death forever. So help each other to rejoice in it, to give thanks to the God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth and comfort that you provide to us in your Son. And you speak it in your Word. And you've recorded it in that Word. And you've written it on, it on our hearts in your Spirit. And Father, how quick, how quick at times we are to panic and to be afraid and to question. But Father, we have hope. Great hope in a God who always is faithful to his word. We have the promise of heaven that is assured, even as our flesh is there at your right hand, even preparing that place for us. We have an abundance of help. Every promise, yes and amen in your Son. And Father, a people who carry us along even as you are with us and never let us go. And so, Father, in our joy in this day of resurrection, may we connect it to the reason for it. And Father, as we look around us at those who do not know you, who will be resurrected to something very different, We pray, Father, work in us the right kind of broken hearts for the lost, that we would open our mouths and speak our hope and what heaven really is. 
that they would look to the Lord for the help that they need and find that abundance of comfort and rest in you. And so, Father, bless us on that mission together as a church. Continue to provide for the ministry of this church that we might be equipped to that task of going and making disciples, proclaiming to all that Jesus Christ is coming soon and that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Father, would you bless the gifts that you have given to us, the bless, bless the gifts that we, we bring here tonight for the use of the church. Bless us as we go forth in your gifts. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we have opportunity to give thanks to the Lord for the hope and help that he has granted to us in our evening offering tonight for our general fund.